0: Praise God for his word. We are looking at, uh, we're beginning our series in uh, Ecclesiastes. And, uh, I, I mean, even just hearing these words again, I've been looking at them for some time now there, there's a, uh, a heaviness, uh, maybe a, a weariness, um, in verse eight that, uh, that we feel, and maybe even as we come to God's word here. And, and I think as, as part of introduction, what we want to do is this morning is look at here this beginning passage and the end passage of Ecclesiastes, recognizing that uh, we actually need to be able to uh, look at the big picture to understand it, even as we go through and look at different pieces. It, it's not like so many other books in the Bible, ones that we're maybe more used to or, or easier to uh, understand and digest. We can look at the teachings of Paul, and we can take a couple of verses and come up with some good themes, and um, even as it fits into a broader picture, uh, it's easier to grasp what's happening uh, with a small chunk. Here, uh, I think we, we really do need some of this big picture, um, and yet I think when we get that big picture we find even in the midst of the weariness, there is uh, encouragement. And part of it is understanding that this book is different from what we're often used to. Even among the the wisdom books, it's different. So we have, as a church, spent a decent amount of time in the Psalms, and the Psalms ask questions, and they express doubts to God, and they are poetry and uh, express feelings. Um, We we get that uh, a little bit in spades here, some of those questions and doubts and uh, and, and those kind of things here in Ecclesiastes, uh, but we're, we're sometimes more comfortable with even the wisdom books of the of Proverbs, which you know kind of tell us. Uh, you know, maybe um, Proverbs ten two says that treasures gained by wickedness do not profit, but righteousness delivers from death. We like those things that say if you're good, then good will happen, and if you're bad, then, then bad will happen. Right. Those are normative uh, parts of the wisdom literature in Scripture. And what we have in Ecclesiastes is a little bit of an exception to the rule um, that uh, recognizes that sometimes things don't work out quite that way. And, and we find that in the book of Job, and we find it here, and it's, it's both challenging but also uh, hope-giving. But I do want to warn you a little bit as we go through Ecclesiastes you might come away with more questions than answers. You might be asking more questions of me, of God, of one another, uh, than than you'll walk away with uh, feeling you got like you got answers, and that's difficult sometimes. I, I, I like things to be wrapped up nice and neat. Oftentimes, black and white is sometimes really helpful. I, I remember watching the show Lost, uh, 2004 to 2010. I had to look up exactly when it was, but uh, it was it was. Uh, A big deal at the time and uh, I remember watching that first season and it's essentially a a group of people have their plane crash onto an island and there are all kinds of mysteries going on on the island uh, all kinds of unexplained things and you get to the season finale, and they're about to break into this hatch. They're about to figure out something big. They're going to get some answers. And I'm really looking forward to answers with this season finale. And you get to the end of that episode, and you get only more questions. Zero answers and more questions. And I'm like, I'm done with this show. I, I, I quit. And I did for a season, and then I actually came back uh, watched the whole thing. And even the, the, the series finale, the end of the whole thing just leaves so many questions unanswered. And that's really more what life is like. That, that's more of the reality of what we experience in life. We, we get fewer answers than, than we want. We get really more questions. And that, that happens here in, uh, in Ecclesiastes. But we hope that we find wisdom in the midst of this. Wisdom to know how to navigate this world that is, that is messy, and even in Proverbs, we find some of that stuff, Proverbs 26, 4 and 5, answer a fool according to his folly, and uh, don't answer a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him, and then the next verse is, answer a fool according to his folly, so that you don't leave him in his, his ignorance, right? It, it's, it's this idea that uh, that wisdom, uh, I've heard defined as the art of godly living, and into that reality, the preacher speaks. Verse one, the words of the preacher, uh, the Hebrew word here is koalath, uh, and we're going to refer to it, him as the preacher, as this translation does the preacher or teacher. The, the preacher here might be Solomon, might be King Solomon, but if it's not Solomon, it's a, an incredibly wise, experienced uh, king who has experienced life. And what he's doing here in this moment is talking about life in the midst of all of the questions, in the midst of not having all the answers, and, and having sought them in many, many places. But he, he finds uh, that he is in this place that we're going to call for this morning sacred cynicism. Sacred cynicism. He's, he's cynical about some of the way in which the world works. But we'll see that, uh, that the way that he expresses that and communicates it Uh, Is sacred. And those are going to be our two points uh, the cynicism and then the sacredness. Uh, Let me pray and we'll take a look. Lord, we do pray that you would meet us here this morning and you would speak to us through the book of Ecclesiastes, that you would change our hearts, that we might uh, grow in the art of godly living. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Cynicism. The whole book of Ecclesiastes is. Uh, is focused on the experience of human beings. And and one of the things that we find lacking, particularly, again, in comparison to many other books of the Bible, is uh, there's not a focus on the redemptive history of God here. So this is actually written in a way that all human beings, whether they're uh, followers of God or not, can understand some of what's going on. They can can get what's happening here. Uh, Many have described this as evangelistic, Uh, An evangelistic book uh, that can engage the questions and and thoughts of so many around us, whoever we are. And and there is this focus on our experience. Um, And and yet uh, we find that uh, it will also at the same time point us to our creator. But in that cynicism, we find this is kind of the theme of the book, right? You you might be familiar with the phrase here in verse 2. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Repeat it again in chapter 12, verse 8. All is vanity. Uh, Some some translations translate it as meaningless. Meaningless, meaningless. All is meaningless. And uh, that word, hebel is the Greek word there, uh, is is really best translated as breath, vapor. It it is something that that comes and goes uh, in a flash, it is uh, very short-lived, and, and what he's experiencing is that sometimes that, that, that then makes it feel meaningless because it's so quick and so short. It's just that, that, that vapor, right? And he's saying that this is true of our entire, our entire, entire lives, that they are but a vapor, but a breath, that it comes and goes so quickly. So then how do we understand it? How do we understand meaning? How do we find and happiness and search after it? It, it seems like uh, there's not an answer that it, it, to say that it's vanity, to say that it's just a breath, is to say that w- where do we find the meaning? Where, where uh, can we make sense of this? And he asked the question, and this is a question that he'll repeat uh, more than once. In verse 2, he says, what does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? So what's the gain? What, what, what are we looking for? What do we find as we seek out happiness, fulfillment, meaning in life? He's struggling with this, this fact that it, that it feels like vanity, like just a breath. And then that, that could then potentially push him to say that it feels meaningless. What do we gain by all our work? It's the first of many questions that he's going to ask, or or maybe uh, the fact that uh, he, he will ask some questions that he doesn't have answers to, but not only that, he will just raise questions for us as we go through it that we don't have the answers to. And there's an encouragement, as this is a book of the Bible, as this is the word of God, that we should be able to sit in that same place with questions without the answers. And, and we shouldn't try to just push past them. Uh, sometimes this happens in the church, right? Jesus, Jesus is the answer, Jesus is the answer. And, uh, and, and certainly we believe that Jesus is uh, the answer to many questions. And, to ult- and there is ultimate meaning. And we'll, we'll, we're coming to the sacred part. But that we do need to take time to sit in the questions. To sit in the fact that things feel like just a, a breath. And that they feel like they're maybe not going anywhere. This big chunk, verses 4 to 11, give this picture of of things just going on in creation and and repeating themselves on some level without really getting anywhere. The idea of the the streams heading to the sea, but the sea is never full, so the stream just keeps coming, right? It doesn't doesn't, uh, get to a place and then it's all filled up and done, right? The streams just keep going. The wind blows and then it returns, it comes back. Uh, the, the seasons come and go. Every year, the seasons come and go. The sun rises every morning and sets every night. It's just the, the same things. There's nothing new under the sun. And what he's doing is he's saying, this is just a picture of our very lives. And he's not saying, to be clear, that there's nothing new like technology-wise, that we haven't seen uh, advances. But our heartache and our, our, our seeking meaning and fulfillment in life, that has not changed throughout history. The fact that we face death, every single one of us, the righteous and the wicked in the end, that hasn't changed for anybody. Nothing is new under the sun. The same deep realities are experienced by everybody throughout history, and it just continues. There's a weariness in it. Look at verse 8. All things are full of weariness. A man cannot utter it, The eye is not satisfied with seeing or the ear filled with hearing. That we can't get enough knowledge, we can't see enough things to to get a handle on it and have it figured out. To think, oh, here's the the end. We continue to struggle with these things. There is an invitation here to sit in our smallness. To sit in the fact that life is a vapor. That that things come and, and go to give us some perspective. Now, sometimes we we don't like this idea. It feels overwhelming at times, and so we try to escape it. And we we talk about sometimes the the escape that we, all the different ways in which we escape, and one of the ways in which we escape is is entertainment, all kinds of entertainment, but certainly um, all kinds of movies and TV shows, and one of those is my actual illustration for understanding this. Uh, One of the ways we escape Uh, One of the ways I've been escaping is uh, a show called The Expanse. And it's a a show uh, based on some novels that I have not read, uh, science fiction. And it's set 300 years in the future where the powers are Mars and the the people who have colonized Mars and the people on Earth. And then the people who live in the belt uh, who are just uh, there on different space stations and asteroids. And um, and these are the, uh, the groups that exist and, and they fly from one planet to another. And it, it's this, like, uh, there, is a, there are parts of it, and, and different literature can do this, where it, it just causes you to think how small we are in, in the world. And, and it, it, it presents it in a way that, uh, that with the technology that has happened, we might get to this point. We might get to this place where people are living on Mars, uh, or, or living on different moons and that sort of thing, right? Um, and, and there are moments... Uh, in the midst of the escape where it it, it makes you think about uh, the smallness of who we are. If you're 300 years in the future, we are long forgotten at that point, long forgotten. There is no remembrance of former things in verse 11. This is uh, a show set in the future. So nor will there be any remembrance of latter things yet to be among those who come after. W- what's the preacher saying? W- you know, We we have forgotten those that lived 300 years before us, yet we remember a few people here and there from history. But overall, there's no remembrance of things that have happened 300 years ago, much less 1,000 years ago, 2,000, 3,000 years ago, thousands of years ago. There is no remembrance, and yet the things just keep happening, right? And he's saying the same thing is yet to come. There will be no remembrance of them. We have reminders of this, just little ones all the time. If you shoveled snow this week, if you shoveled snow to uh, to keep your sidewalks clear so that the, your mailman or others walking can uh, have the clear space, you, you shoveled, and then you had to shovel again and again and again, right? Uh, and then uh, that snow will disappear in a, in a matter of days, weeks. Uh, in the summer, we'll, it'll be hard to imagine what it was like to have all the snow on the ground, Right? Uh, it's just a vapor. It just passes quickly. And and small picture of our entire lives just passing quickly. And and what we're going to find is that the preacher in, in these words and ongoing, he's cynical about the way things are. He is weary. There's a weariness to it. And yet he's honest to sit in it. To sit in those questions. To not just push past it. But but to begin to ask those questions, to contemplate them. And one very simple application is sit in it yourself. Read, as, we, as, as I preach through different parts of Ecclesiastes, read Ecclesiastes, read, read it more than once. Sit in the questions that are raised. Sit in your own doubts and questions and your own weariness. And do so as the, as the preacher does, as he does so with this sacred cynicism. Why do we call it sacred cynicism? Uh, I think it's because it's, he's cynical about the world and the way things work. He's cynical about people, we'll see, as he goes through. But he's not cynical about God. He, he's, he, he brings questions to him. He says that he did not understand the way that he's working, but he assumes God's existence and goodness and power all the way through. And we find that that is wrapped up at the very end. But we see it play out all the way through. I mean, just the fact that the the way that we understand this, the word of God, who speaks to us, the one who created this world and created us and has put all these things into motion, the seasons and the sun and, and all the things that we don't understand, he's given us his word to speak to us and he's given us the book of Ecclesiastes. This is God's word to us and he says, sit in it. He's encouraging us to ask these kinds of questions, to bring this kind of cynicism about our reality and our world uh, to him. We're invited to do just that. But we also recognize that in the communication of these things, the preacher who is communicating words of truth from the shepherd. Verse 10, the preacher sought to find words of delight and uprightly he wrote words of truth. The words of the wise are like goads that is a tool that's used to guide um, animals, but it's the word of truth is used to guide us like nails firmly fixed or collected sayings and they are given by one shepherd. The one shepherd we we know through scripture, this uh, this illustration, this picture is God. And the fact that he says, vanity of vanities, all is vanity, or even if we were to translate it as the NIV does, meaningless, meaningless, all is meaningless. The the preacher is writing these things to to actually say there's something meaningful in making this statement. There's something less than vain in actually making a statement uh, about vanity and about meaninglessness. There's something to learn here. He's communicating this in, in order to impart wisdom, and, and we need to understand some of these terms as we go through the book that there is actually something sacred happening here in God's communication to us, so that as we feel that vanity we we, we can also recognize that that God is speaking to us in that moment, in that mystery, in those questions the The, the next uh, word or phrase that is helpful for us to understand verse three uh, this this question that we'll see happen again is what does man gain by all the toil in which he toils under the sun? There's this picture of within the breath, there is this reality of what exists under the sun. And this could be understood either, not 100% sure, either spatially or temporally. That is, under the sun is God's creation, right? It's what the sun shines upon. That's this world. Or the, the sun as it represents time. And that, that one day that there is going, there's going to be an end, there's going to be a resurrection day, there is uh, the final day of, of judgment that's even alluded to at the end of chapter 12 here, but uh, that all of it is temporary. And there is a God and a creator who is essentially on the other side of the sun, who is uh, in, in, in this metaphorical language uh, above the sun. And so we're describing the experience of us as human beings, as the created Uh, beings in this world not the creator and there is this looking to the one who is above and so in light of that reality there is this encouragement all these questions all the seeking that the preacher does that we'll look at over the next number of weeks we find ends in this the end of the matter all has been heard fear God and keep his commandments for this is the whole duty of man it goes on to speak of the judgment that comes from our God, from the creator. But fear God and keep his commandments. This is the whole duty of man. It all falls under this sacredness of who our creator is. This is where we fall. Uh, we find this is an idea that, that is not just here, it runs throughout Ecclesiastes. There are moments where he recognizes God and does not question him. Again, cynical about the world, cynical about people, cynical about the mess, but uh, not about God. And so that to bring that cynicism to God in his word is helpful for us. This is consistent with the way that Jesus thought about the world as well. It's not, it's not karma. It's not good, and then good happens, or bad, and then bad happens. It's not always that one-to-one correlation. There are things that we can learn. There's wisdom. There's steps. are things that we can do that will bring consequences for us. We can talk about all those things. There's wisdom, the art of godly living that we apply but there's sometimes things don't make sense. And Jesus said this as well. There, there was a the question to him as, uh, as he was going to heal the blind man. Uh, his disciples asked him, John 9, 1 through 3, uh, was who sinned that this man was born blind? Was it him or his parents? And Jesus said, neither. It was for the glory of God. And then in Luke chapter 13, they asked him about these, uh, these folks who were, who were killed in a massacre. You know, what, what was the sin there? He's like, no, it, this was... Uh, uh, they would have repented if the, if the Lord had come to them. There, there is the mystery of God's work that we don't fully understand. It's not always that one-to-one. And into that mess, Jesus came. This is the, the fulfillment that we see of our dilemma as human beings with the vanity and the breath and the meaninglessness that we feel. Jesus knew that full well when he came. These questions that we're asking that were being experienced, Jesus came and experienced that same mess, that same vanity, that same breath, but to bring life into it. So there's an encouragement to take our cynicism to him, to look to him, to find our hope in him. And I hope that as we look through Ecclesiastes, as we do these short sermons in the midst of, of COVID, as you read through it, that we'll, we'll find uh, hope, even as we ask real questions about the mess the vanity uh, of this world.